going to continue today on our series from the book of Colossians. I'll turn your attention to Colossians chapter 3 today. I'm going to read seven verses of Scripture. I'm going to read seven verses of Scripture, but I'm just going to let you know up front, I'm only going to have two points, okay? So it's, uh, sometimes I have one verse and 17 points, not quite, but uh, this series on Colossians, we I've entitled It's All in Him because it really elevates Jesus uh, and explains who He is and that He is Lord of all and Lord of over all. The Colossians chapter 3 verse number 5 says, So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. I got to tell you, I mean, this... There's a lot of things in this passage, and you're like, oh man, we're talking about sexual immorality and lust, and that's one of the benefits, I guess, of preaching through a book of the Bible. You just take it as it comes. And so today, we're going to talk about all of that, but I've entitled this message, Divine Redesign, Divine Redesign. God bless you. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Pray that you would speak to our hearts and lives today. Help us to know you. Help us to serve you. Help us to be everything that you have called us to be in Jesus' name. There is a channel that you can get, whether you have cable or you have an app or whatever it is. It's called uh, HGTV. It used to be Home and Garden Television. Now it's just HGTV. And on this channel, there are a multitude of home improvement shows. Anybody watch any of these shows? I hear, I talk to people all the time, it's like, man, it's the number one pastime for married people. They watch HGTV. It's the manly thing to do. Just kidding. But men that are married, they, they watch HGTV. And, and, and on this channel, there are all of these fixer-upper shows where they'll go in and they will take a house that is in disrepair or they just don't like the layout and they will want to change the layout or they will want to fix up all of the problems in this house. In fact, my wife and I, uh, there's a particular one out there and uh, it's, it's like the same thing every time. People want this really big house, this really big yard, only pay $50,000. And what they'll decide to do in their, in their own home, it's love it or listed if you've never seen that. Uh, they will complain about their current house. They will, and, and they over-exaggerate everything. They, so they're, 
they're in the kitchen and they're intentionally running each other. There's just not room to cook and they bang into each other or they're trying to get in the door in this entryway and they're, they're doing... So my wife and I will frequently like, man, we need to list this thing. We just can't fit through the door together. And so, but, but it's this, this idea and people love this because we're going to take this house or, and we're going to fix it. We're going to change it. We're going to make it different. It's going to be better. It's going to be great. There are ones with no demo reno and good bones and whatever. You could find all, you could, you could go down the rabbit hole and never come out binge watching these on your apps or on the computer. And in addition to that, there are other shows out there, extreme makeover and people fixing themselves and changing what they look like and they don't know how to dress. And in fact, most of that is not true. I don't know if you know this, reality television is not real. Uh, it is all put up. Who's going to go on TV and say, look how ugly I am? So they, they're playing a part and they change their clothes and they change their hair and they load them up with makeup. And they do all these things and all of a sudden now everybody likes them. They go through these makeover process, but underneath and the reality is this, is they're not really different. It's a facade. They've just changed something on the outside and, and some of those are extreme. It's more, there's a ton of changes on the outside, but who they are has never changed. And what they are has not changed. They are the same person. However, when you and I come to God, He changes us. He's not just fixing us up. He's not just doing a little bit of a facade and making us appear to be something that we're not. Making us, well, we're going to tweak this a little bit. But God really changes and He does more than an outward change. Now I would tell you outward change is good and outward change is necessary, but it's more than an outward change with God. When we come to Him, He takes our old life and He changes us into something new. Something different. And aren't you thankful that we don't have to be the same person we've always been, but we can be new in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul at this time, he was called Saul. He's on the road to Damascus. He is, in fact, going to Damascus to kill Christians or to at least stop them from serving Jesus and spreading this, this uh, message about this, what he would say is a false Messiah. As he is journeying to, to Damascus, a bright light it knocks him to his knees and a voice from heaven says, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for you to kick against the ox goads. And Paul says, well, who art thou, Lord? And the voice says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And, and he says, I will, I will show you what great things you're going to suffer, but I want you to go to Damascus to a, 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 can't even say it, a street called Straight. Say that ten times real quick. Not really. How many of you are doing that right now? You're trying to say it in your mind. A street called straight. And there someone will pray with you. And he goes and he prays and he has this conversion experience and he is radically different. In the space of three days from his journey to Damascus to arriving there and being prayed for by Ananias and the scales, things fall off his eyes like scales and now he believes the message of Jesus Christ and he's ready to go and preach the gospel. It was a significant transformation. It wasn't just an outward appearance. It wasn't just fixing something on the outside, but he was changed by the power of God. 
and by the message and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I would tell you that is what God wants for us. People come to Jesus in all manners of lifestyles and all levels of faith and knowledge about Him. My wife and I often pray that we want to see lives transformed. We want to see them changed. Now understand that everybody who comes to Jesus gets changed. And everybody is transformed, but some of them are not so great as others. The greater the sin and the greater the life of the, the negative lifestyle that you're living in, the greater the opportunity for transformation. When I received the Holy Ghost at the age of 11, I was not a big sinner. Oh, I was a sinner. But I wasn't out murdering people. I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't an alcoholic. I wasn't sleeping around with people. I was 11. But God changed me. But we, when we see people come to God, we don't want it to be just, oh, okay, I'm just going to make this little step. But we want to see people's lives transformed as they get gung-ho. They were gung-ho for the world and now making them gung-ho for Jesus. It's what we want to see. And it's what God would have in your life. In our text, it is following the passage we looked at last week, which was about living with heaven in mind and living as though we're on our way to heaven and we want to go to heaven. Paul would change following that passage and he would start talking about you're different now. And he uses this language and we'll pick it up in two weeks. We have a guest speaker next week. Don't miss it. Make a plug, Brother Evangelist Jesse Cornejo is going to be here next Sunday. You don't want to miss what God's going to do. In two weeks, we'll pick up the remainder of this thought that Paul has. But even though God is doing more than changing our outward appearance, that Paul uses this language of taking off some things and putting on some things. It's more than a garment, but it is that idea. And so here's what he says about living this new life is the first thing that you must do is you must put off the old self. That you can't live a new life living like your old life. That living and doing the things that you used to do, you can't, you can't live for Jesus that way. You have to put aside the old self and put aside all of the things you did when you were serving the enemy and you were serving the devil. All of those things must go The reality is this, what Paul is doing when he's writing this, he's like, you have to put it off. Because you are saved, put these things away. Or really more specifically and more forcefully, he says, put them to death. Kill them off. Don't let them have any place in your life. And he lists out various sins, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, desires, he would say, those are part of your old life. Those are part of the ways of the world. Those are not part of what it means to serve God. You can't just live like that. You can't be sexually immoral, and you can't be lustful, and you can't have evil desires and follow Jesus. You have to put those aside. I'm not going to dwell on all of that for a variety of reasons, but he then turns to this 
idea of greed, and he says, put this greed aside. He says, because greed is like idolatry. If you're greedy, he says, what that means is you're worshiping the things of this world. I don't know if you know this, we live in a materialistic culture. Get as much as you can. Have as much as you can. As much money, as many things. Gather everything you can, and people live their lives trying to get more and more, never satisfied. But Jesus would say, you cannot love God and wealth. It's an either-or proposition. If you love wealth, you can't love God. And if you love God, you won't love wealth because wealth becomes an idol and wealth becomes the source of your trust and you're trusting in your goods and you're trusting in your insurance or you're trusting in your retirement fund to take care of you instead of trusting in God. And Paul says it's like an idol. I'm building it up. I've got this idol. I'm bowing down to wealth and I'm bowing down to something else that's going to take care of me instead of trusting in God. Look at your neighbor and tell him you can trust Jesus. You can trust Jesus that he will take care of you. You don't have to put your hope in wealth and you don't have to put your hope in material things. You can trust him and him alone because he is the source of all wealth anyway. He is the source of everything you have anyway. Paul would move to this idea of judgment upon sins. He says because of these sins of sexual immorality and lust and evil desires and greed, he says the anger of God is coming. God never overlooks sin. All sin gets paid for. You've heard me say this. He never overlooks sin. It all has to be paid for. And when you come to Jesus Christ and you're following him and serving him, then the song is true. Jesus paid it all and all to him I owe. You can't pay the sin. You don't, let me rephrase it. You don't want to pay for your sin because that's an eternity apart from God. But when you come and follow Jesus Christ, this new life that he has, he says, put that old life away. You can't follow me and do that. Put it aside. It's going to be judged. The anger of God is coming on sin. But let Jesus pay the price. He says these sins were part of your old life. He lists various things before he does. Let me say this, we come to Jesus as we are. You hear that often. Just come to Jesus as you are. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to get good to come to God? You don't have to measure up to his holiness. and You don't have to measure up to his righteousness. And the reality is you can't do that anyway. But that's where his grace, his grace says, I'll take care of it. You just come to me. You, you come and follow me and I'll take care of everything. And so while it is true, everyone should come to Jesus as they are. It is not come to Jesus as you are and stay as you are. It is a divine redesign. It is a change in your life. This is the old man and you live this way now. Because he saved you. You didn't have to change to be saved. You, have, you get changed after you're saved. But now he calls us to live a different life. Not the old life. And he says specifically, there are some sins that we have to put aside. 
We've already talked about sexual immorality, all of those things. He goes further and he says anger, which is this ongoing state of being angry. Or rage, which is sudden outburst of anger, malicious behavior, slander, lying, dirty language. He says, put those all away. Because there is coming judgment, so put those aside. I'm going to meddle just for a minute. I'm around a lot of Christians. Those were my air quotes. A Christian is someone who is following and serving Jesus and seeks to be like Jesus. There's been a movement in recent years that would say, let's live like the world so we can win the world. Preachers, supposedly preachers of the gospel that use profanity and foul language and all manner of other things they do. And say, well, God is, he's a God of grace and it's no big deal anyway. But the Bible would say, put those things aside. That's the old man, that's the old life, put them away. But it's not a just about putting away the old man, but it's also about putting on the new self. This is that change of clothes mentality that Paul says, take this old stuff off and put the new stuff on. So the second thing is we must put on the new self. Verse 10, he would say, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. This new nature, we get it at the new birth. When we are born again of water and spirit, we get this new nature. When we are baptized in the name of Jesus and we are filled with his spirit, we get this new nature. And Paul says to these people who already have it, he says, put it on. Don't leave it in your closet and keep wearing the old man, but put on the new man. Old things have passed away and behold, all things are become new. Or as he would say in his epistle to the Colossians, Speaking after he gives a long litany of sins, and he says, And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified by the Spirit of our God. We are different now, and so live like we are different. Look at your neighbor and tell him, live like you're different. Live like you are a new person in Christ Jesus. These old things have passed away, but, but here's the key to this putting on the new self, it is to be a continual renewal. It is not a one-time event. Change happens. We become new creatures at the moment we experience the new birth. But renewal, this is what he said, be renewed. That it is an ongoing renewal process. And it happens the same way it happened the first time. Oh, we're not baptized again, but we do continually repent. We don't go down in water again as as a once and for all, but we are to be continually renewed and refilled with the Spirit of God. How does it happen? It is when we commit everything to Jesus and we are refilled with His Spirit. 
Acts chapter 4 would tell us of this. As you know, in Acts chapter 2, the church is born. People are filled with the Spirit, 120 in the upper room and 3,000 out in the streets just a little bit after that. And they begin to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And chapter 3 of the book of Acts begins with the lame man at the gate, beautiful. He's asking alms. He, he, need, he can't work. He can't get a job. He can't grow his crops. He asks for alms. And Peter and John, who've seen him numerous times, they come by. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk, and immediately his bones received strength. And he stood up and went leaping and praising God. The religious people of the day, they weren't happy with this miracle stuff. We don't believe in miracles. Don't be doing this stuff. So they beat the apostles. They beat, tell them not to preach this. Then around verse 28 of chapter 4, they gathered together and they they prayed again and the place was shaken where they were praying. And it says they were all filled with the Spirit. What is it? It is this renewal. It's not this one-time event. I can just look back to, to November 12, 1983. But if that was the last time I was renewed and the last time I was filled with the Spirit, I'd be in trouble. But it is an ongoing process of renewal. And I would tell you it can happen every day. It's not the once a month or once a week. It can be a daily occurrence as you commit your life to Jesus and you allow His Spirit to refill you every day. He says, keep learning in your relationship with Jesus until you come to the knowledge of our Creator. And I've got to hurry. We are to be conformed to the image of Christ. That is the goal of what we're doing. Heaven is our destiny, but conformity to the image of Jesus is the goal. And this relationship with Jesus is the goal. And Paul would close this section of Scripture But saying this, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter your race or nationality. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised. It doesn't matter your religious heritage. It doesn't matter whether you're a barbarian or slave or free. It doesn't matter what your cultural heritage or your social status is. Everyone has the same calling to be renewed, and everyone has the same calling to put on the new man and put off the old man and to walk in holiness as a new person in Jesus Christ. Everybody is called to this. Everyone who names the name of Jesus is called to this. Paul would close this last verse, verse 11, the way it says it in the NLT, and he lives in all of us. But understand this, that all of us there is a specific group of people. That the all of us he is speaking of are the people who have been born again. He's already talked about you were changed and transformed. He's writing to the saved at Colossae. The saved in that city. He says, all of us. Jesus lives in us. But understand, he's not talking about the pagans and the idolaters and those who haven't been saved. But those who are saved, he says, he lives in all of us. And it doesn't matter your background. You have the same calling. You have the same God who lives in you. The same God who wants you to put on your new nature. And to walk in that. 
So you and I today, we must endeavor to put off the old self and endeavor to put on the new self. Be renewed continually is what we should seek for. But you can't be renewed if you've never been saved. Renewal are for those who have experienced His salvation. Renewal is for those who have been born again. Jesus came in the form of man. He lived a perfect, sinless life for you and for me. He lived and He died in our place. The theological terms this, He was our substitutionary atonement. He atoned for our sins. He was the substitute. When we should have paid for it, Jesus paid for it. But only if we walk in relationship with Him. So how do you do that? We talked about it in Sunday school. You repent. You go down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. And you feel with the gift of the Holy Spirit evidence and speaking in a language that you don't know. A language you never learned. That's how you do it. you haven't done that today, it could be your day. Today is the day of salvation. Every day He's ready. Every day He's waiting. He's waiting on us to choose to follow Him. He's waiting on us to choose to come to Him. He's waiting on us to respond to the gospel. And if you have already experienced that new birth, what I would tell you the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 5 17. Therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold all things have become new. So if you're not living like you're new today is the day to make that decision to begin to live like you have been born again. Today's the day to begin living like you've experienced a new birth. It's, it's not just come, as I said already, it's not come as you are and stay that way, but it's come as you are and let Him change you and transform you. Let Him take the old life and let Him give you a new life that you can put on and walk in Him. Would you stand together with me? And I feel presence of God right now, and I would invite you just to lift your hands for a moment. You can lift them where you are. You can come to the front. In fact, I, why don't you just come to the front right now? Would you make that dedication to Jesus? Would you just come around the front as a sign of faith and a step of faith and a step of surrender and lift your hands and say, Jesus, I want to live like you want me to live. I want to be everything that you've called me to be. Lord, I want to be the person that you've called me to be. I want to put on that new man and that new self and I want to walk in your grace and I want to walk in your favor and I want to walk in your blessings Jesus. I want to walk Lord in a way that's pleasing to you Jesus. 